1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto. Enjoy today's show. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto. I'm Ash Bennington. I'm joined today by Andy Edstrom, Author of Why Buy Bitcoin and Managing Director at Swan Advisor Services. Andy, welcome to Real Vision. Ash, it's great to be with you. It's a pleasure to have you here. We've been chatting a little bit off camera, obviously, a tremendous amount uh, for us to cover today. First, before we get started, tell us a little bit about your background.
0: Yeah, so I'm a a TradFi guy, as we like to say, right? Um, I've spent a couple decades in legacy finance first decade for me was really Wall Street, uh, investment banking, Goldman Sachs. Um, I worked for a private equity fund that spun out of the Carlyle Group. And then I worked at a hedge fund as an analyst and an investor, uh, about a $5 billion asset under management shop out here in Los Angeles called Tenenbaum Capital. So that was the first decade for me. And then the second decade for me was joining the family business, which is wealth management and financial advisory. So that was the second decade, and of course, uh, you know, I picked up a few certifications along the way, the CFA and the CFP, and then I did find Bitcoin and uh, started paying attention to it uh, in twenty seventeen. Having missed it a couple uh, a couple touches earlier, as often happens, right? It's usually the the third uh, exposure that that gets people into it. So I've been in uh, in the space for almost five years now, and uh, that takes us to today. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, I published the book uh, along the way, and uh, here we are
1: in twenty twenty two. So let's talk a little bit about the book and about how you went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole as a tradfi guy. What was it that captivated your attention yeah so the first thing that really got my attention of course was the
0: NGU technology the number go up, the price running uh, and that was in 2017. Um, so so that was my first interest in it and then of course I ended up exploring the wild and woolly world of other digital assets cryptocurrencies. And then we went through the end of that bull market in 2017. We went through a pretty tough bear market in 2018. And then it was in 2019, in January, okay, with Bitcoin down 85%, right, from 20K to about 3K, that I put pen to paper. And there were several reasons for that. One of, one of the reasons, honestly, was a, a test of the thesis. It was a conviction building exercise at that time, having gone through this savage bear market. Um, I really did want to test myself about whether this was the right call, whether being long-term bullish made uh, sense at that point. Um, there were other reasons. You know, I wanted to educate my friends and my family and my clients, of course, too. But that was, that was uh, where I was in January of, uh, of 2019 when I put pen to
1: paper, and the book came out uh, in September of 19. So what's the thesis, as you understand it, for the value proposition behind Bitcoin? Yeah. Well, it's multi-pronged. I would say as an investor,
0: the clearest case is digital gold. And so you know, Bitcoin is many things to many people, It's everything from the place where you can stash your net worth and your savings uh, if you have to leave a war zone, um, which we saw in bright colors, unfortunately, uh, earlier this year and ongoing uh, with Ukraine and Russia. But if you're sitting in the United States, and let's say you are an investor with a portfolio, the clearest case to me at the moment is digital gold. And the way I come to that conclusion is I actually score gold and I score Bitcoin along 14 characteristics of money. Um, most people tell you that, OK, a hard money asset has or something that is, that is effectively money or considered money has maybe five or six characteristics. Uh, unfortunately, I found 14 of them. And reasonable people can disagree about which are more or less important. And different people prioritize different characteristics. <laughs> But suffice to say that right now, where we sit in 2022, I see uh, the strongest case for investing in Bitcoin as a substitute for gold, where gold is a $10 or $11 trillion asset,
1: and Bitcoin is, over time, taking market share from gold. So talk about some of those characteristics. You mentioned there are 14 of them. I don't think we have to go through them all unless you want to. But I'm curious, uh, what were your basic findings? What were the summary of what you found in your analysis? Yeah, so the basic findings were, okay among all these characteristics, let's see if I
0: can list them off the top of my head. Identifiable, transferable, durable, divisible, dense, fungible, uh, scarce, of course, short-term stable, and long-term stable, and I differentiate between those two characteristics, um, required for some important purpose, like, say, paying taxes, uh, backed by a powerful agent, Like a government with a military, Um, uncensorable, unseizable, uh, private, and I don't know if that was all fourteen off uh, off the top of my head. You got him fourteen. I was counting. You were counting good. (laughs) So those so those are the characteristics. Um, And so when you score Bitcoin versus gold along those characteristics, there are a few that that stand out. I mean, clearly uh, scarce today. Gold and Bitcoin are roughly equally scarce in the sense that roughly 2% of the current stock in each case, or the current number of units, uh, is being issued, right? Uh, in other words, of all the gold uh, above ground today, okay, you're getting 2% more each year. And roughly speaking, it's about the same for Bitcoin. Of course, after the next halving, then on that measure, Bitcoin will become more scarce. So that'll be a, a major event. Um, Bitcoin is clearly more transferable than gold. Um, it's more identifiable, right? The the flip side of the identifiability coin is: can you counterfeit it or can you fake it? Right? Um, you actually can counterfeit or fake gold bars. You fill them with tungsten, um, uh, fool's gold, obviously to the untrained eye. Bitcoin really you you can't fake. Either you're in compliance with the consensus rules and you have a you know a balance effectively in the form of an unspent transaction output, output that you have the key to, or you don't. Um, so you know uncensorability and unseizability are clearly characteristics where Bitcoin wins versus gold as well. If you properly secure your Bitcoin, first of all, you can set up a multi-signature arrangement such that no single piece of information gives you access to the asset, right? This is not true with gold. Yes, you can take your pile of gold, bars, or coins, and split it into three piles, or five piles, but each of those piles is, in itself, a seizable or stealable asset, not so with a multi-signature arrangement with Bitcoin. Um, and then, obviously, you know, can someone stop you uh, from paying someone uh, gold or transferring gold? Yes, um, if they can physically access it. Uh, much harder to stop someone from paying in Bitcoin. You know. If the internet goes down, of course, uh, then that's tr- then that's true. You have a problem. But uh, there'll be much bigger problems to, to worry about it, uh, at that point. So off the top of my head, I would say those are
1: some characteristics where Bitcoin clearly already outscores gold. Yeah, I think most of those 14 were self-explanatory. I'm curious about density. What does density mean?
0: yeah, when I'm talking about density, I'm talking about value density. Um, and so things like, oh, I don't know, paper towels uh, don't make such great money because you have to have an awful lot of them in terms of volume, you know, to right. to carry any significant value. And one of the nice things about Bitcoin is it is almost infinitely dense in terms of value, right? That one private key that you can control that you control, can control up to, in theory, the entire value of the of the Bitcoin
1: network. Now, gold is quite dense as well, but it's not that dense. I don't know, man. During uh, the darkest days of 2021, paper towels were the hardest thing to get in New York City.
0: <laughs> well, that's a very good point, and that's uh, you know, in terms of limited supply, uh, when when the supply chains break down and when demand exceeds supply, any valuable uh, asset or commodity can suddenly become effectively very scarce.
1: So I want to talk about some of the risk factors, uh, the potential bear cases, but I also want to give you the opportunity first uh, to lay out what you think is the longer term bull case for Bitcoin. Yeah, so the longer term, and
0: let's say a decade, roughly speaking, bull case for Bitcoin is, first of all, yeah, it continues to take market share from gold. Okay, that's already you're making a multiple of of your money, right? Because if Bitcoin is in the hundreds of billions of value today, well, gold is you know, roughly 10 trillion. Oh, and by the way, I expect the price and the value of gold overall to go up with time, not down this decade. Um, that's based on my expectations that inflation will probably run hotter this decade than it has in the last few decades. But as far as the further upside is concerned, Bitcoin is hard money and embedded in that is, is the word money. And so you can transfer value with Bitcoin. So if it reaches its potential, Bitcoin could take market share from fiat currencies. Um, it could take market share from other stores of value, uh, including the bond market. You have to ask yourself, well, if we're living in a world where real interest rates, inflation-adjusted interest rates, are still negative, do I really want to hold bonds? Or do I want to hold less bonds? Do I want to substitute some Bitcoin for gold, and do I want to substitute some gold for bonds? Um, So those are areas uh, of potential upside. Um, Real estate, even as a store of value, right, has some store of value and monetary characteristics. For high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals, if the decision is, oh, should I own a third property, or should I own this asset that if I choose to cross a border with uh, with the information in my brain, right? If I can memorize 12 words, I can take it anywhere with me. Right. Do I wanna own some of that asset? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I wanna own some of that asset. And that gets us to a whole other category, which is offshore assets in general, right? Bitcoin is in some sense inherently an offshore asset, um, it lives in the internet in a distributed network um, rather than any particular jurisdiction. And certainly, jurisdictions do apply their local rules to the extent they can with Bitcoin. But if the offshore asset market is anywhere between ten and thirty trillion dollars, uh, nobody truly knows how big it is. But suffice to say that Bitcoin is likely to continue to take market share. I think it already has from that from that class of assets. Um, so. All the categories that I just mentioned are multi-trillion or multi-ten-trillion uh, dollar markets. If you talk about the bond market, you know you're even talking about hundred trillion. So it's really not difficult to get to total valuations for Bitcoin on the order of a million dollars per Bitcoin and up, which is you know 30 or 35 times the current price today. And so getting to tens. Of trillions of dollars for Bitcoin is quite achievable over, let's say, a decade, and in the long run, it could even be in excess of a hundred trillion dollars if it truly reaches its potential and becomes a reserve asset and a monetary standard uh, across the world.
1: Hey, if you like this clip, be sure to check out the full interview and more only on RealVision.com/forward/slash/crypto. It's one hundred percent free. Sign up now.